in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I am your co-host, Andy Hart. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Art Stone. Salutations, Bunk Bunkers! Art, greetings! Ooh, uh, salutations! Wow, it's so nice of you to welcome our audience to this podcast. Art, it's almost like you're a visitor from another world, and they've never met you before. It, it is almost like I'm like that. That's true. Art, do you have the sudden urge to sedate our bunk funkers uh, and take them aboard your craft? Well, listen, uh, you know, I don't sedate much, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, may, I, I am spoken for. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We are both looking for love yes. and we're trying to date all of the eligible bunk funkers out there. So please send us your headshots and resumes. And we'll determine in which order we're going to fuck each one of you. Jesus Christ. Um, hey, they consented. Art, today we're talking about an alien abduction story. Oh, okay. That makes sense with that intro. <laughs> um, do you, are you familiar with the concept of alien abduction? No, I've, I've, I've never fucking heard of it. I'm a little baby who was just born yesterday. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. I'm kind of a fucking expert in the field. You are? Have you been abducted? By aliens? Yeah. Oh. Can you tell us about it? No. Okay. Well, so- you're going to have to get it out of me. <laughs> oh, God. Clown nodded. Oh, God. Please send your headshots and resumes fast so we can hear the story. Uh, Boinkers, today we're talking about a, a an extraterrestrial- I don't know anything about this one. No. Seems neat. This is about an extraterrestrial abduction story that's um, behind- uh, the Betty and Barney Hill abduction, maybe the second most famous abduction in the UFO community, is legitimately legitimately this this uh, this topic was sent in to us by a bunk funker, a a a beloved bunk funker, a proud patron of the show, Evil Mike. Evil Mike, he's evil. He's evil, but he's got good topics. Now, I do want to <laughs> read. I do want to read something from the email that Evil Mike sent, um, and this is how he introduced the topic. Okay. Um, Quote, an alleged alien abduction in Mississippi in 1973 with ludicrously weird looking aliens, probably not a cover story made up by two guys under the influence of expired Billy beer to conceal their unspoken feelings for each other explored while fishing. End quote. So the Billy beer reference is top notch, dude. So we've got (laughs) evil Mike's thought on this, which is that uh, the two abductees in this story were maybe 
having sex with each other instead of fishing mm-hmm. and created this story to cover it up. To cover but it up. we're going to find out. Oh, I know a little bit about this one. There's a much older gentleman and a much younger, much younger gentleman. There's a significant age gap between and they were out the fishing together and they're fishing buddies. Uh-huh. Even though the youngest one is just a barely legal teen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but there's context to this and we're going to get into it. Now, if you can't wait for that context and the possible... And you're also drunk on Billy Beer. (laughs) You've been drinking your 50-year-old Billy Beer and you can't wait for some homoeroticism. What you could do (laughs) is you could set your boat to sail down the Pascagoula River and you could check the show notes for a timestamp and you'll go right to the research. Wow. Because first, uh, Art and I, we got to tell you how we ended up in the goddamn bunker again. Yeah, well, we do. And, uh... Art, I gotta be honest. I don't feel so good. I just... Look, there's a few things that I don't appreciate being messed with. Number one is my meals. Number two is my snacks. And number three is my bathroom time. And number four is my health. You can jerk me around around about a lot of things. Uh Uh-huh. But if you mess with my meals, my snacks, my toilet time, or my health, I'm going to get peeved. And the thing is, like, all four of those happen in a truck stop bathroom. Right. I did get hepatitis. Trying and that was one of the worst days of your life. After eating a burrito, trying to get a snack from a gentleman. A Twinkie. Whose name is unknown to me still to this day. But that's besides the point. Yeah, you know, Bunk Bunkers, um, Art and I had something come up it's, recently. It's it's not a big, it's NBD. It's not a big deal. It's a little bit private, though. Uh, yeah. And I'm feeling very vulnerable right. sharing this with you, but um, I'm trying to put myself out there more and be a little you more- You guys know, you might not know this, actually, because you just hear our voices, but Andy and I have lush, like, fucking- Really nice gams. Yeah, we have we have big time, big, big, thick legs that are very muscular. People love our gams. There is there is hooting and hollering us. Show me those yams. Show me those gams. Yeah, I like to wear. I mean, I'll be honest. I like the attention. I do wear short skirts a lot because I do like to show off my legs and I don't wear underwear ever because it's a fruitless venture for me. Because I end up invariably pissing yeah, myself or shitting right. myself. Well, and, and you also, you will never use Fruit of the Loom brand. So it is, is always a fruitless venture. For right. Me. Yeah. I do not like Fruit of the Loom brand because uh, my grandfather was killed by the founder of Fruit of the Loom, a bunch of grapes. And I won't wear their products. I don't buy their underwear. I don't buy their t-shirts. I don't buy the shoes that they make that look like pieces of fruit. So no, I guess you yeah. could say I'm with Michael Jordan. Right, I'm a Haynes man. You're a Haynes man. I do go on airplanes, and people do ask me about my underwear. Right, and I do have to show them my bare ass to prove that I'm not wearing underwear. And that's how they they know there's no tag itching me. Right. So we look, have good gams. We have good looking legs, but there was a problem. We had a very large, right, unsightly, right, varicose vein. We both had large, unsightly varicose vein, throbbing, mm-hmm. red, blue, uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Hurt. It gave me RLS. I couldn't. I couldn't sleep at night. It I gave me CBD. I couldn't walk. Um, Give me THC. Yeah. Give me Give, MLM. 
Give me the MLB. TNT, USA, CNBC. I got it all because of this varicose vein. This fucking varicose vein. I mean, you, you, it, it was it was impossible to live with. Um, just, it was so unsightly. It was throbbing, rock hard. Yeah. Made it so uncomfortable. And, you know, I, again, as I'm wearing my mini skirts um, on public transit and people are looking at my legs, they see one leg and they go, yowza. And then they see the other leg and they go, oh, God. Yeah, oh, go, uh. And, you know, I just it, it really was bad for my self-esteem. It was bad for both of our self-esteem. Yeah. I mean, it is so fucking weird that we both got this huge rock hard throbbing unsightly varicose vein on our mm. beautiful legs beautiful almost in the exact same space almost at the exact same time yeah now i'm not a scientist no and i've never even played one on tv mm-hmm. as far as i know varicose veins are not contagious you can't catch a varicose vein right but it kind of seems like that's what happened it is it does kind of seem like that's what happened cuz yours appeared slightly before mine and you don't practice good hygiene, Mm-mm. and I think I got sick from you. Well, you know, I mean... I listen, caught your varicose vein. Well, I don't think we should, like, point fingers like that just right away, you know. Just because I have, you know, on the side, I've been kind of busy kind of doing, you know, my pig mud wrestling series. Um, You know, I'm trying to get that picked up by a couple of different TV networks. Mm-hmm. I've got a few USA, interested. TNT. Yep. <laughs> I have contacts all over, baby. Yeah. I've got TNT interested. I've got um, AMC. I've got AMC. You know, I've got the History Channel. They're like, we'll take anything at this point. And right. I said, you know, okay. True but, TV. So I've been doing a lot of pig mud wrestling. Right. And it's fun to watch. You're going to get dirty doing that, Andy. Some of these pigs are really cute. Yeah, we got squealers and squinkers. Yeah. And oinkers. I mean, the. Um, the uh, the pig mud wrestling maiden series is probably my favorite. Those are some sexy pigs. They're maidens still too. They haven't been betrothed to anybody. No, but you can still see. have all their chastity and valor. <laughs> but you can see their nipples the whole time, rows on rows of nipples. It is a little bit rated R. Okay, this is not been, for the. This is not. This is not for. And children. I refuse to budge on censorship. So yeah. Um, HBO, you know, I, well, that's the thing. And so I have been very dirty lately and I've been a dirty little boy and um, a bit of a piggy. Right. But I don't think that's fair to say that I helped spread the very ghost vein. Regardless, I did offer to go with you. I mean, we both went for moral support. We found a, we found a varicose vein clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this was, a, this came very highly regarded. We saw a very well-produced, TV commercial for this vein clinic called Dr. Vayner's Varicose Vein Time Vein Clinic. And I mean, it, it just like it's it, it the, the, the commercial was so well produced. This doctor is so fucking handsome. Yeah. And the lighting was really good and the background was really plain. And there were tasteful graphics that explain how they cut the vein out of you and they take veins from other parts of your body to replace it. Right. Or they just loop it together if it's long enough and they don't take as much out. So I really thought that this was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I was super impressed. We called right away to make an appointment with Dr. Vayner. And 
you know, doctor, uh, you know, the, 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 we both went together like art said as moral support, moral support, but also, you know, you were my ride home. Right. And you were my, you were my ride. You're my emergency contact for all situations. Um, because I don't trust my wife to be my emergency contact. Yeah, and all my pigs were I've been burned before. <laughs> yeah. So all my pigs who would normally be my emergency contacts, my corral. Right. They're all wrestling. Right. Yeah. You know, I had to take a whole fucking week off. Yeah. From wrestling to do this, which is fucked up. So. Babe is a good driver, so it he would is. be it would be great if Babe was available, but I mean the sirens call of wrestling. He actually Ubers during the day. Yeah. He's, when he's, he's not wrestling. Right. He's an Uber driver. Um also Uber, Babe in the big city. Uber oints. So, so uh, we were, we were both, each other's rides home. Right. We were each other's rides homes. We were there for moral support. We held hands through the whole surgery. Mm-hmm. We went into Dr. Vayner's clinic and uh, I mean, he's even more handsome in person. Um, and I'm getting a little bit like hot under the collar. So I disrobe completely and he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't need that. <laughs> you don't need that. And I'm like, I do need it. I need you to see me. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So after several of the staff members sedated me and they redressed me, uh-huh. we finally got the surgery underway. I had to call in a couple of my pigs to help fucking wrangle you down. You you are made for pig wrestling, dude. Well, I keep trying to get you involved, but you just are always so busy. Maybe when I'm maybe when I'm healed up, I'll 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 come and I'll come and wrestle your pigs because they're in for a world of hurt when I get in there. Yeah, you're the kind of star power we need to get on uh, a couple of these channels. Yeah, I'm gonna. There's gonna be some dramatic storylines when I get into the ring. sci-fi because I'm gonna be having a lot of relationships with these pigs that are very intimate, and there's gonna be a lot of jealousy and a lot of backstabbing. Drama. Drama. Welcome TBS. They know drama. So USA. Yeah, that's where we are. So. We're uh, we both get, we both get completely sedated. We do. We go. We under. get. We go under. Um, they told us, you know, this could be a local anesthetic, and I said, no, I will vomit and shit if you do not put me all the way under. And I said, if I'm going under, I can't have Art see me like this because he'll panic. Right. Because he'll think that something bad is happening to me. And so they put us both. I never learned that when I was a child, that object permanence thing. So when things disappear from my view, I think that they're gone forever. Right. Yeah. Art still has the brain of a three-year-old. Like, when you play peekaboo with me, it's a bad fucking time. Yeah. So I couldn't even have them have a curtain in between us. No, we had It's like, well, Andy disappeared. He's gone forever. Yeah. And they're like, no, he's on the other side. You're like, Art, I'm over here. And I'm like, oh my God, he's calling for me from beyond. Yeah. That I... Art believes in ghosts because he hears people calling him from other rooms. <laughs> so we go under, you know, I have full confidence in Dr. Vayner and his staff. Yeah. Um, the Vaynets. <laughs> and they did such a good show before they put us under. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. It's a classic chorus line. Bam, bam. And let me tell you. These vainettes, they've got some gams themselves. They can kick. They can kick. And so here's the thing. We were in for a world of shock when we woke up. I <laughs> mean, imagine our fucking surprise. Well, this is supposed to be a routine surgery. Yeah. You go in, get a vein removed. They solder your veins together again. It's routine stuff. 
we thought this was going to be a half an hour adventure, but we wake up. We come out of surgery after four and a half days. And they removed our bodies, but kept the vein. Can you believe that? So, I mean, just can you imagine what we thought? Imagine our surprise. When we wake up and our bodies are gone, but the vein is still there. They took everything but the vein. I mean, somebody fucked up. I've heard it. Like, this is incompetence on another level. You had one job. Dr. Vayner, you're not Dr. Body. You got mossed, okay? Come on, man. Here we are. We moved our bodies, Here we but are. they kept the vein. Here we are. Our bodies are nowhere to be found. All we've got is a vein. Each one vein. One rock-hard, throbbing vein. Do you know how hard it is when you don't have a body? <laughs> So now we're two big veins. <laughs> There's nothing left of us but our veins. Oh my god! I mean, don't take our name in vain, please. And then, <laughs> I mean, don't take what we say in vain. We're not being vain when we say no. We we're two big veins. No. And hey, I mean, you're so vain. You probably think the song is about you. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Because I'm a big vein. Because they took my body, and I'm a vein. <laughs> No, I don't know what the weather is. Stop asking me. I'm not a weather vein. Oh, hey, Art, where are you going? Are you going to go drain the main vein? Shut the fuck up, Nick Simon. That joke's old already. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to hear it. When I texted pictures to Nick of ourselves and how we're just veins now. Just one vein. <laughs> and then he starts mocking us. Oh, that fucking asshole. A little fucking guy. Well, you know what? To say the least, we were a little peeved. We were a little peeved. I'm a little pissed off here. I'm I'm going, Dr. Vayner, Dr. Vayner, paging Dr. Vayner. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? Everybody went home for the day. They forgot we were there because we were just veins. Who knows where our bodies are? Probably in some weird puppet show. Probably in some weird puppet show. So anyway, next thing we know, our veins, they just start hopping around. It's right. like it's like the veins have come alive. Right. Like somebody electrocuted the varicose vein. Mm-hmm. And we just start hopping around. And we hop out of the office. And then we hop all the way to the bunker. And it turns out the vein was Mr. Bunker. The varicose vein we both had that comprised our entire being was Mr. Bunker. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. I mean, people have always called us vain, but this is, I never expected this. I hope we find our bodies soon. Yeah. If you've seen our bodies, beefers. Yeah. Please. Please text. Text or call 1-800. Where's my body? Somebody get the Pixies on the line, have them write a new song called Where Is My Body? Because I need to know. I don't want to be a vein. This fucking sucks. I mean, I would hate 
to think that all of our attempts to improve our games were in vain. I don't think I could deal with that. <laughs> so please, if you've seen our bodies, please call 1-800-WHERE'S-MY-BODY. If you haven't seen our bodies, please go to your local cemeteries or morgues and send body parts to us. Right. We asked you for teeth a couple of weeks ago. None of you fucking did it. Now we're asking you for a full fucking body. I mean, I know this is a stretch because it's like you didn't give us teeth. I don't think any of you are going to give us bodies. And they need to be accurate to our old bodies. Right. They need to look like how we look. I know that it won't be the exact same, but please get us similar bodies. We don't want this to be like a Hurricane Ned situation where you try and get us a body and it's all fucked up and weird. Right. We want a body. We want bodies that are similar to our old bodies. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if they're if there's certain like if you're having trouble, like you know, like you can't find like the stomach, and all you have are like washboard abs. It's like whatever, fine. Like I'll take that. Or like if like it's like oh god, all I have are like these Arnold Schwarzenegger beefy arms. It's like okay, I mean that's cool. Like that's close enough, I guess. It's like yeah. it's cool. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's like you know, I mean you don't have to go that accurate. Like it's like well, right. It's close enough, right. And if you got like, you know, you know, like chiseled, like a, like a, like David Beckham style head, it's like, okay, fine. Like, fucking take that. Yeah. Not a big deal. But try to get the rest accurate. But try to get everything else as accurate as possible. But if you can't, it's no big deal. <laughs> it's MBD. Look, we're, look. We're not that vain. We're not that vain. We're, it's MBD. We need bodies. Beggars can't be choosers, right? And well, make sure, make sure the heads have teeth. Because it's been horrible not having teeth for a month. Yeah, it really fucks and sucks. It sucks and fucks. Yeah, it fucks and sucks. Fucks and sucks. It fucks and sucks. You know what else fucks and sucks? What? Sometimes friends on a fishing trip. <laughs> you have a couple of billy beers with your buddy, and you do a little fucking and sucking. Next thing you know, neither one of you's got any teeth. You know what I mean? <laughs> well... Uh, let's just say we're not going to Hoover, Alabama today. We're going to Pascagoula, Mississippi. So if you're ready to hook up your, uh, trawler and head out and do some fishing with us, come along here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Hey, Billy, go over there and fuck that goat. All right, Jimmy, I'll do it. The day ETs went berserk and abducted a couple of jerks in that sleepy little town of Pascagoula. It was a fight for survival that broke out in a spaceship. They were snapping claws and probing in the anus. Probing in the anus. Thanks to Ray Stevens for stopping by (laughs) and singing the chorus to one of his classic novelty songs, The Pascagoula Alien Encounter. (laughs) Oh boy, oh boy. Who could forget the hit songs of Ray Stevens? Who could? The Streak, Everything is Beautiful, Guitar Zan, and of course, that song about a pervert calling a woman over and over and over again. Hilarious! Is that your new musical obsession? What? Ray Stevens? Oh, yeah. I love Ray Stevens. And hey, 
How great is it that Ray Stevens, the jester of country music, happened to write a cheeky song about today's topic, the Pascagoula abduction? I think that's befitting. That's very befitting. And what a coincidence. Anyway, this is one crazy story of E.T. abduction we've got for you today, beefers. And special shout out to beloved Bunk Funker and proud patron of the show, Evil Mike, for suggesting we cover this topic. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Evil Mike. Thank you, Evil Mike. Uh, great suggestion. So let's get into it here, okay? Uh, this tale of people being taken against their will by beings from another planet begins where all of humanity's great stories begin. The U.S. state of Mississippi. Ah, home of legendary... Honest guy, Brett Favre. Brett Favre, legendary guy who did definitely did not defraud the government to enrich himself. No, 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 no. What can I say? He's he would cha- not steal money from charities. Yeah, he's a champion. He When he goes at something. He's a champion of life. Yeah. So we're here in Mississippi, uh, and we're on the night of October, October 11th, 1973, when 42-year-old Charles Hickson and his 19-year-old friend and co-worker, at least as of that very day, they just started working together earlier that day. Calvin Parker went fishing from a pier Wait, on the, were the west. Ages? Uh, Charlie was 42 and Calvin was 19. Barely that's, legal. That's a difference. It's a big difference. Uh, it's exactly 23 years. So they went fishing from a pier on the west bank of the Pascagoula River. Around 9 p.m., They heard a piercing, whirring, or whizzing sound and saw flashes of blue light on the water. They turned around to see an oval-shaped object behind them. The craft was approximately 30 to 40 feet across and 8 to 10 feet high. Three creatures came out of the craft and approached Calvin and Charlie. Charlie and Calvin described the creatures as five and a half to six feet tall robotic humanoids. Whoa, cool. With gray... Elephant-like skin. The skin was wrinkly and loose. These creatures had bullet-shaped heads, no necks, cone heads, slit-shaped mouths, sharply protruding noses and ears. Like think of like spikes where the noses and ears should be. What the fuck? Um, and crab-like claws. Instead of hands. We are the crab people. Or it's been suggested potentially that they were wearing mittens or something. But okay. I think crab claws is better. Um, the creatures had two legs each. I gotta look this up. Which were joined together, like fused together in the middle. Uh, and they had the ability to levitate, hovering just above the ground. Here's what Charlie told WLOX News in Biloxi, Mississippi, in a 2008 interview. Quote, They appeared to me that they had something like elephant skin. It was very wrinkled. These things came to us and took a hold of me, and one took a hold of Calvin. We went into that beam of light, and they carried me aboard that craft. End quote. The men also said that when the creatures grabbed them, their bodies went numb. They later believed they were injected with a sedative when they were grabbed by the creatures. They're fucking sick looking. They are. These artist renditions are so fucking cool. And the artist rendition's pretty consistent across the board. Holy shit. These are so fucking creepy and weird. Yeah, they are. So Calvin and Charlie, uh, after being grabbed, they became paralyzed. 
but they remained conscious. The two men were subjected to a medical exam aboard the ship. Charlie said the aliens held them for about 30 minutes and examined them with strange oblong instruments. The first thing they saw after boarding the ship was something that looked like a TV with a quote-unquote football-like crystal inside. Charlie said the crystal followed them around the ship, possibly recording data on them. In Charlie's own words, quote, Something came out of that wall like a big eye. It came up in front of me, it went under me, and it came back up my backside. The next time I saw it, it came over my head in front of me. They turned me around and carried me right back out where they picked me up. End quote. Calvin later said that a female E.T. roughed him up during his exam. Whoa. Calvin said this E.T. Oh, baby. <laughs> you peaked my mind. She's shaped like a green M&M? No. Ah. Unfortunately, no. Fuck this. I'm she was not. It. Turn uh, it off. Turn this episode off. She looked like the other E.T.'s, except instead of the slit-like mouth, uh, she had human facial features. <laughs> so she looked like the others, but just with human facial features. Okay. So um, Calvin said that this E.T. had human-like facial features. I just said that. Um, unlike the other robotic-seeming ETs, the female ET grabbed Calvin's cheek and jaw and shoved her middle fingers down his throat. Oh God! And grabbed quote that little thing that hangs down that dangles in the back of your throat there. End quote. And then tried his own words. That's in Calvin's own okay. words. And then tried to get into his sinus. Oh, come on, dude. Calvin said he couldn't. Oh, Calvin said he couldn't breathe and his nose started to bleed. Ooh. And the creature communicated with him telepathically to tell him the ETs would not harm him. Ooh, that doesn't Ooh. doesn't sound good, huh? I've had uh, I've had to go to the ENT and have a camp. They would shove a camera up my nose and then back down my throat. Ew. And that was very uncomfortable. Yeah, that sucks. But this sounds like a um, this sounds like a fucking nightmare. Yeah, these were her fingers. One hand, two fingers. There's a lot of things I want the green M&M, who was also an alien at the same time, to do to me. That is not one of them. That's well, very far down the list. Well, I mean, this is what you might get. You got to rethink this marriage thing. Ooh, I might have to. Ooh. So after all this, they were then returned to the shore unharmed, and the craft sped away. Well, I wouldn't say that. I'd say they were pretty harmed. Well, uh, we'll get into it. A medical exam after the fact revealed no lasting <laughs> lasting damage okay. from this encounter. So. Uh, here's what Charlie said uh, about their drop off back on earth. Quote, they put me back into the light and put me back on the ground about where I'd come from. I heard a zipping sound again and I looked around and that craft was gone. End quote. Charlie also heard a voice in his head say, we are peaceful. We mean you no harm. Yeah, I don't think so, dude. Get your fucking fingers out of my mouth. You can do mean me harm. I've never had anybody stick their fucking fingers in my mouth and they're my friend. Would you like to? <laughs> hey you look like you got a little et in you uh, you want a little more would you like a um charlie said when he returned to earth calvin was already back on the ground calvin said that when they went to their car to leave the windows in the car that were facing the craft had all been shattered in place in other words the glass was all broken but it hadn't fallen off the car calvin also said that he had trouble starting the car after the encounter <laughs> because they're vandals Fucking assholes, dude. Yeah. Well, maybe they didn't intend for that to happen. Whatever. Collateral damage. They could have left a note. So. <laughs> it's my insurance. That's true. They All they said <laughs> my is. My intergalactic insurance. It's, it's true. They did not telepathically communicate the name of their insurance agent. Scumbag move, dude. <laughs> okay. We got two strikes. Fingers down my throat. I don't like that. 
And you didn't leave insurance on my car, which you fucked up. Inter- interstellar hit and run. Yes, it it's what it is. <laughs> you need to call need to call an intergalactic attorney. You need to call intergalactic dog the bounty hunter. The hammer. <laughs> <laughs> the ice pick. Well, no, that was Mr. Bunker. <laughs> so while Calvin just wanted to go home after the encounter, Charlie made him pull over the car at a payphone so he could report the incident to Keesler Air Force Base, which happened around 10, 15 p.m. that night. Okay, how do you just know the number for the Air Force Base? I don't know. I guess old school payphones there had phone, phone books, books in them, them, so maybe he could have looked it up. Yeah, okay. So the woman who answered the phone at the Air Force Base told Charlie that the Air Force no longer worked on UFO cases. So she was like, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> oh, we get a lot of these. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can fuck off with that. So after that unsuccessful attempt, Charlie and Calvin were stopped by the Jackson County Sheriff's Department. They were asked to come into the station for questioning. When they got to the station, the investigators saw that both men had puncture wounds in their arms, which matched their story of getting grabbed by the ETs. The wounds also helped later support the hypothesis that the men had been injected with something by the aliens. So these were small punctures, like those of a needle? Right. Oh, Little where'd that come wounds. from? Um, from the aliens, Art. Okay. Charlie's breath smelled of whiskey... So investigators thought Charlie and Calvin could just be drunk. Investigators made both men take a sobriety test, and both men passed. Charlie admitted to having a bit of whiskey in the car after the abduction to calm his jangled nerves. The sheriff's department made an audio recording of their interviews with Charlie and Calvin, uh, and they did this unbeknownst to the two men. They weren't aware they were being recorded. Um, so initially, they were recorded separately. They were interviewed separately. And then they, after that, they were brought together where they were interviewed jointly. And when the officer who was interviewing them left the room, he left the tape recorder going. So there was this secret audio recording made of just the two of them at the sheriff's department together talking. So um, what the tape revealed when they listened to it back at the sheriff's department is that Charlie and Calvin discussed this encounter and appeared to be traumatized by the situation concerned about their own well-being and worried about the impact on their families. So they didn't at any point indicate what are we going to do? They're going to figure us out or anything like that. They both seemed to be genuinely frightened and concerned about what happened to them. And this left the sheriff's department with the sense that the men were actually telling the truth about what happened to them. So after the mysterious abduction, Charlie and Calvin both were subjected to lie detector tests, which they both passed. Hmm. Dr. J. Allen Hynek, uh, professor of astronomy Hynek. at um, Chicago's Big Ten University, Northwestern University, uh, and scientific advisor for the U.S. Air Force's UFO study, uh, Project Blue Book, studied this case and concluded, quote, there is no question in my mind that these men have had a very real frightening experience. End quote. That's just vague enough to go either way. Right. Exactly. That doesn't say anything. Is he your mentor? Yeah. Yeah. I've learned a lot from J. Allen Hynek. <laughs> um, Lewis Lee was working as a crane operator on the opposite bank of the Pascagoula River from where Charlie and Calvin were abducted. Lewis said he saw an egg-shaped blue and white lighted craft in the sky that night. Holy shit, dude. Lewis watched the lights for five to ten minutes. Lewis said he told a lot of people in his life that he'd seen the UFO, but he said nobody believed him. 
Now, I don't know if this is really relevant or not, but I'm going to mention it. Lewis also said that he was a friend of Charlie's. So just, just throwing it out there. They were friends before this incident. Skeptic's going to jump on that one. Skeptic's going to jump on it, boy. They got that dog in him. Now, more than 40... <laughs> Joe Nickel got that dog in him. Now, more than 40... Oh, is he going to come up? Oh, he's coming up. Oh, it's a black bear. It's. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Oh, it's a gray bear. Uh, more than 45 years after the original encounter, Maria Blair came forward to say she witnessed the abduction on that faithful night. Of what she saw, Maria said, quote, I was watching two men being abducted by a UFO, end quote. Damn, yeah, that's pretty solid fucking testimony. A case closed on that one. I was watching two men kiss each other real tenderly. Oh, I mean, they were abducted by a UFO. <laughs> then three other men came up, and yeah. they really got rough. They and really got rough on them. Started sticking their fingers down their throats. <laughs> and other things, other places. Tickling their mouth gooch. Or whatever they call that thing that hangs in the back of your throat. Uvula. That's your uvula. Right, a mouth gooch. <laughs> my mouth gooch. Oh, God. I got food stuck in my mouth gooch. <laughs> I shouldn't have ate all that caramel. I got a mar- I that caramel corn. I got a marshmallow stuck to my mouth gooch. Ooh, help me. So, on that same October 1973 night, Maria was waiting in a car near the banks of the Pascagoula River with her husband, Jerry Blair, who was preparing to leave on a boat to work offshore. Jerry fell asleep in the car, and Maria saw what she described as a strange blue light streaking back and forth. According to Maria, the blue light continued moving for about 30 minutes when it went out of sight, and according to Maria, the object made no sound. Maria said she heard something fall into the water, and saw what looked like a person in the river. A person with a head, but no neck. Now, rather than check it out, she decided to put it out of mind, which worked well until the reports started coming out the next day about what Calvin and Charlie experienced that night. That's been when Maria started to wonder if maybe she'd seen something noteworthy that night. When she heard a loud splash and saw what appeared to be a person with no neck in the, in the river. Drowning. Yeah, that she just ignored. Hmm interesting i will note this for later (laughs) how peculiar let's see how this plays out (laughs) another witness susan snow also came forward eventually susan said she was out walking her dog near the pascagoula river that fateful october night she said she is susan the the prince that was promised (laughs) she is um she's a bastard she is resurrected um by fire you know nothing susan snow who's that is joe nickel it's Joe Nickel. You did not think Susan Snow. So I guess in this scenario, Joe Nickel and Susan Snow have sex. Yeah, they do. In a cave. Um, so Susan said she was out walking her dog near the Pascagoula River that fateful October night. She said she saw a band of different colored lights in the sky that looked like they were rotating around a central object, moving from the north to the south. The lights lingered for about 15 or 20 minutes and then suddenly shot out of view to the north. Susan said she saw the lights about the same time that Charlie and Calvin said they were abducted. Then in 2020, J. Michael Long made a documentary about the 1973 encounter called Alien Contact, the Pascagoula UFO encounter. Um, It's up on YouTube and it's linked in the show notes if you want to give it a watch. Uh, I will recommend it for, if for no other reason than the 
um, reenactments that they do, which are all computer generated, <laughs> which are really out. something. <laughs> and also the weird cuts where they add like upbeat, like banjo music and stuff. Um, there's one especially that's very fun. So um, <clears throat> J. Michael Long also claimed that he was an eyewitness to the UFO that abducted Calvin and Charlie. Wow. <clears throat> Long was 12 years old at the time living in Ellisville, Mississippi, which is about 100 miles away from Pascagoula. Long said he was outside playing with a football when he saw a bright orange by himself. When That's not even making it up. Um, Long said he was outside playing with a football by himself when he saw a bright orange ball of light headed south over his house. Long said he watched the light for 15 minutes until it passed over the horizon. For the documentary, Long gathered Calvin together with all the witnesses to the UFO that night in Pascagoula, so they could share their experiences together. The first time all those folks had met each other. Wow. Now, and while all that is great and all, the skeptics have also chimed in on this case, Art. Of course, skeptics say that Charlie and Calvin made up the story, that this is just some big hoax. Joe Nickel even gets in on the act in this one, chiming in with an article for the Skeptical Inquirer uh, titled Famous Alien Abduction in Pascagoula, Reinvestigating a Cold Case where Joe Nichols says these ETs were black bears with mange that somehow got a hold of a military helicopter. No, 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 wait, that's not right. <laughs> this is the one time Joe isn't trying to blame the black bears. <laughs> oh, my God. Joe points out that Philip J. Class, the famous UFO skeptic. Famous. Famous. Uh, we've mentioned Philip Class. We're not class, big Class fans. We're not big Class fans. Class is kind of a dickhead. Yeah. Um, and he's a bit of a dickhead in this case, I think, too. Oh, so Philip Class, the uh, famous UFO skeptic, found discrepancies in Charlie's story. Uh, for example, Charlie said at one point the ETs had a, quote, hole for a mouth, but later referred to the mouth as a, quote, unquote, slit. I mean, does anybody else think Charlie was pretty friggin' horny for these aliens? Everything was a hole or a slit to this guy. <laughs> Anywho, oh Joe God. also writes that class claimed the polygraph test to which Charlie was subjected was conducted by a non-expert in the polygraph field. Nickel points out that the polygraph operator was also the agent Charlie and Calvin signed with to promote the abduction story. Hmm. Now, according to class and Nickel, Charlie refused to take a polygraph test with an experienced police poly poly polygrapher. Is that how you say it? Or is it polygrapher? <laughs> I don't know, but polygrapher sounds funnier. <laughs> an experienced police polygrapher operating the machine. Class also cited an example of embellishment by Charlie. After the encounter, Charlie said, an in, said it in an interview that the bright lights inside the craft had caused eye damage that lasted three days after the encounter. Class cited a hospital visit the day after the encounter, which revealed no such injury. Hmm. Ultimately, Class believed the two men made up the story. Thought it was a hoax. Not surprising. Um, for his part, Joe Nichols suggested that Charlie Hickson, at least, and maybe Calvin, too, fell asleep at the pier that night while they were fishing and entered a hypnagogic state that is a waking dream state, which may have been accompanied by sleep paralysis. Joe likes this hypothesis because it accounts for the paralysis, but also the other parts of the story which are consistent with hypnagogic experiences. You can experience delusions or hallucinations and you'll be unable to tell that this is a dream versus reality because you're in sort of this heightened state of awareness while you're dreaming. Hmm. So 
unbelievable things are likely to happen to you and you're going to be unable to necessarily tell that this isn't in reality. So Joe suggests that Calvin could have just gone along with Charlie's story, even if he wasn't uh, in a hypnagogic state, just because Calvin's suggestible, but also said that it's possible Calvin had been in a hypnagogic state himself. Um, there's also been, people have pointed out that uh, Calvin was living with Charlie at the time uh, and his family. Uh, Calvin was looking for work and had called Charlie recently. And Charlie said, yes, I can get you a job. They were working at this um, shipbuilding um, operation on the river. And so Charlie offered to get Calvin a job and a place to stay. So it's been suggested that Calvin had a vested interest in going along with Charlie's story Mm. so as not to cause friction between the two of them. So Joe ultimately doesn't believe the men made up their story. He doesn't think it's a hoax. Uh, Joe cites the recorded conversation from the sheriff's department as compelling and doesn't see the embellishments as material. He thinks Charlie was just responding defensively to criticism rather than trying to plug holes in a story that he made up. At this point, I do feel like I have to mention this because it comes up in the skeptics take somewhat. Initially, Calvin told the sheriff's deputies that he had passed out after being injected by the ETs and remembered nothing himself about the encounter. Calvin later recanted that statement saying it was a lie to protect him from ridicule. He later said he was conscious the entire time and eventually said he recovered memories from the encounter using hypnosis. Mm. So in the wake of the abduction, Charlie and Calvin reacted very differently. Charlie was very open with his experience, eventually doing interviews and TV talk shows. He even wrote a book about the abduction called UFO Contact at Pascagoula. Charlie also had additional contact with ETs. In, ni- in January of 1974, so not that long after the abduction, Charlie traveled out of town to visit a friend. The two friends went hiking and hunting in the woods together. At some point, Charlie was alone in the woods and noticed the same UFO from the 1973 abduction approaching him. Again, he heard a voice in his head. This time it said, we mean you no harm. We mean no one any harm. You may communicate with us later. You have endured. You have been chosen. There is no need for fear. We will communicate again. This encounter left Charlie feeling validated for his prior encounter. He felt like this proves what happened to me was a real thing. Right. And it also caused him to no longer be afraid of the extraterrestrials. Wow. So then in May of 1974, again, just a few months later, Charlie's family traveled to his parents' farm, which was a few hours away. They traveled by car. And on the way back, the eight people in the car, which, I mean, I guess this is 1970s cars for you. Yeah. Uh, the eight people in the car all noticed a strange light in the sky. Once the light moved in front of the car, they all realized it was a UFO and all started screaming. At this time, Charlie heard another voice in his head that said, go, there will be another time, another place. That was the last time Charlie was ever contacted by the extraterrestrials. So Charlie passed away in 2011 at the age of 80. Um, His story stayed pretty consistent throughout his life, even with some of the discrepancies and embellishments that we've mentioned. Uh, There weren't a lot of material changes to his version of the events. His son, Eddie, said this, quote, it's never changed. Daddy's taken numerous polygraphs, been under hypnosis. And from my understanding, it's almost impossible to lie under hypnosis. And it's never changed. End quote. 
Our daddy taught us not to be ashamed of our dicks. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, daddy's taken numerous polygraphs, hasn't he? <laughs> Calvin, on the other hand, was pretty shaken up by the encounter. He claimed when he went home from the sheriff's station, he drew a scalding hot bath and poured bleach all over himself to, oh, God. to quote unquote, feel clean again. Jesus Christ. And he didn't just pour it over his head. He rubbed it into his skin. Too. Oh, why? I don't know. I guess maybe Wait, a shower would have been a better wouldn't idea. Wouldn't that like, wouldn't that like burn? Doesn't that like very adversely affect your skin? I think that wouldn't feel good, Art. Oh, God. Rubbing in bleach on your skin? Probably bad. I was about to laugh at Halt's scalding hot bath, but then, just, you know, you talk about the bleach thing, you're like, oh, Jesus. I mean, they're both kind of, it's a bad combo, scalding hot water and bleach. <clears throat> so three weeks after the encounter, Calvin had a nervous breakdown oh and was hospitalized. He had another nervous breakdown related to the abduction two years after that. Calvin later said that in 1993, he went on a fishing trip alone for what was supposed to be just a day trip. He expected to be home for dinner that night. While on the trip, he blacked out and woke up at 3.30 the next morning, unsure of what happened, and with blood on his shirt. Jesus Christ. When he got home, he told a friend about this incident, and the friend recommended he go see Bud Hopkins, the author and abduction researcher, who was scheduled to give a lecture in Florida around the same time. Bud had just published a book called Missing Time, and here's Calvin having this missing time experience. So Calvin went to the event, to the lecture, and ended up meeting Bud Hopkins and was hypnotized by Bud Hopkins. Um, like he underwent hypnosis performed by Bud Hopkins, not like he couldn't resist the way Bud Hopkins moved on the dance floor or something. I don't mean it that way. Oh, okay, thank you for clarifying. And Bud Hopkins uh, also helped Calvin recover memories from the 1973 encounter. Wow. So they did, reg they did hypnosis regression um, and they got additional memories out of the 1973 encounter. Right. One of the details Calvin learned under hypnosis was that in 1973, after the female alien fingered his throat, he got into a physical altercation oh, with the fuck. ET, where he attempted to choke the creature oh. and smashed her head against a mirror repeatedly until he was stopped by one of the other robot-like ETs. Golly! Now, it wasn't until 2018 that Calvin finally opened up about this incident. He never spoke publicly about it until, until 20, when? 2018. Holy shit! So he sat on this for 45 years. Meanwhile, Charlie's walking around being like, this is what happened to me, blah, 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 all this shit. Charlie was very open about his and experience. Calvin is just in the- He did interviews all the time. Yeah. He wrote a book. Calvin stayed under the radar. He did not feel comfortable talking about this. Mm -hmm. He says that when people found out where he worked, he would go get a different job so that people would you know, not come seek him out. Um, so in 2018, he finally started to open up when he published a book about his experiences called Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter. Uh, and he he connected with Maria Blair, who had come forward as a witness to the UFO. Calvin even wrote another book in 2019 called Pascagoula, The Story Continues. This book was essentially about everything Calvin learned since the incident, while the first book was mainly just about the initial abduction incident. Um in 1973. Uh, and then in 2019, Pascagoula installed a plaque near the abduction site to commemorate the incident. So if you go to the banks of the Pascagoula, you can see a little historical marker for this abduction. Wow. Well, 
there you have it, boinkers. One wild tale of E.T. abduction that's really stood the test of time to become one of our most cherished legends. Worthy of a historical marker. But what are you thinking about this thing, huh? You feeling like this happened or what? I'll tell you one thing. You do not want to mess around with creatures with crab claws. <laughs> Unless it's crabs and you're eating them. <clears throat> oh, boy, do I love eating crabs. Such sweet meat. and so much fun to break open their bodies to extract their goodness. God. Maybe that's what these extraterrestrials were after. See, to them, wow. humans are sort of like crabs are to us. Wow. If that makes sense. These aliens came down from their unknown planet and used their robot-elephant hybrids to dredge up a couple of scuttling humans where they planned to break open their bodies and consume the succulents from within. Luckily for Charlie and Calvin, though, this was a catch-and-release program. Anyway, thanks for joining us while we broke up our brains to extract the whole enchilada. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Welcome back. That was our research into the Pascagoula abduction art. My, oh my. Yeah, this one's worthy a lot, man. This is a crazy one. What a story, huh? Yeah. What are you thinking about this? Blanket thoughts. I mean, I think that the the description of the aliens is one of the most peculiar and interesting and fun. It's very enticing. It feels like the Flatwoods monster. This is not a typical alien site. These things are weird looking. This is a humanoid ET, but I have to say, chef's kiss. Yeah. This is not like, oh, it's got like sort of human facial features. These are fucked up looking. They are. Um, some of the renderings, uh, the artist like renderings of the creatures have like the skin where it just sort of looks like it's all piled up. Like they look like those dogs that have that really wrinkly skin. Right. And they got those spiky ears yeah. and nose. Man, these, mouth. these things are freaking cool. I got to say, for me, the design of these creatures, that's up there with Flatwood Monster. Whoa. Okay. I don't know if it surpasses Flatwood's Monster. Right. Flatwood's Monster is fucking cool. Right. But this is up there for me. This is cool. And um, you know what? I guess the, the idea of the story is it's interesting. It's a very, it's very kind of a juxtaposition because you've got two guys 
who one is very open to it. The other is not, you know, I think we obviously joke that it's like, Oh, they were doing something to each other there and they're embarrassed about it. It's like, Oh, well that sneaky recording kind of saved their asses. You know, these guys, if they were frauds, they would have, I don't know. There would be some kind of mix up. Right. And, and I'll tell you, you can listen to the audio from it. Um, it's, it's in the show notes. There's a link that has a link to the audio. Uh, it's not very good quality, so it's yeah. hard to, it's hard to hear what they're saying. Um, I would recommend like, if you watch the documentary, they have some cleaned up audio. It's just a snippet though. It's not the whole thing, mm-hmm. but what you can get from the conversation that they had at the sheriff's department is that they both are saying things like, I just don't understand. I don't understand this, what happened. And like they're, they're going through the details of it. Like it almost feels like neither one can really wrap their minds around it. Mm-hmm. And they're almost trying to like say, here's what I experienced and seeing what the other person says, but it doesn't feel like a, you know, like a, Hey, Wink. I, Hey, I saw this thing. You saw it too. Right. Right. And you know, it's like, um, well, I guess it's also, what's interesting is that like they, would have such similar weird experiences, but have separate hypnagogic, I guess, encounters, right? Yeah. You know? I, yeah. I, I think that um, it's possible that maybe like, I don't know, who knows if, if maybe Calvin had this like recurring sense of lost time, like maybe, he, maybe he loses consciousness at different points, maybe they both did fall asleep and he just kind of lost consciousness actually. And he's just suggestible. Uh, and so Charlie's conviction of this story, his just, hypnagogic, maybe it just carries. Um, Ooh, that's Joe, a good idea. Joe Nickel used uh, to, to dust off an old chestnut going all the way back to Erickson twins. Um, and the psychology oh. of that folly adieu, yeah. which is, which is folly of two. Uh, it's French. I hope I'm saying it right, but voila du or whatever it is. But Joe Nichols suggests that in this case that yeah. that because um, which 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 Erickson sister was the the like one Ursula? I can't remember. Or was Ursula the kind of normal? No, I think one? Ursula moved to the U.S. and has maintained a low profile. But Sabrina's the one that okay. stayed. And so is- so Charlie's the Sabrina. Okay. And 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 in this scenario, Calvin is the Ursula. Where it's like the strength of Charlie's convictions maybe had some folie au dupe uh, thing with, with, with Calvin. Calvin. That his psychology, he just believed this. You know, I mean, that skeptic's take, I was about to say, like, the skeptic's take doesn't super add up for me. But at the same time, I feel like you can do this alien counter, but the fact that they're like, yeah, and we were like physically assaulted in all these different ways, it's like, well... You guys went to the hospital and we don't have a record of any of that. You're fine. Right. Like if something stuck its fingers down your throat and was fingering your sinus and you caused you to bleed, we'd probably have a something that could recognize that. So, you know, don't you think? What I think is interesting is in 1993, Calvin says he had this experience of being on a fishing trip alone where he expected to be back by dinner. You know, he's telling this story where he's like, oh, you know, I asked my wife to pack a lunch for me. I expected to be back later that day. I didn't think I was going to be gone that long. And then he's like, I just 
time disappears. Like I don't have any recollection of anything that happened to me after like eating my lunch that day while I was fishing. And then I wake up at like three 30 in the morning. I've got blood on my shirt. But then he says later, he like, doesn't mention this. He's like, I don't even remember catching the fish. So he caught fish, but he doesn't remember it. So like he's saying like, there's blood on my shirt, but is it his blood? Is it blood from a fish? Like maybe there's a similar situation happening in oh. 1973. They were fishing. Maybe he's got this other thing where he just like blacks out and like, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think it's, it, it, if you believe the skeptics on this, it's kind of a weird confluence of events. It is. But this is kind of a weird scenario too. It's a very weird scenario. Because as I mentioned, uh, Calvin's a young man. The way he describes it, he was engaged to be wed and he was working a job. Um, let me see if I can remember what he said he was doing. I don't remember, but he was working some job having sex with aliens. He was, his job was to fuck aliens. He's a gigolo. He was an extraterrestrial gigolo. So he's working this job and he said that he was working like 16 hours a day, seven days a week. So he's like, I don't, Exhausted. he's like, I don't want to get married and never see my wife. So I need a different job. Well, he's apparently old friends with Charlie and he calls Charlie on the phone and says, Hey, do you like have any, do you know of any jobs that I could get? Well, Charlie works at this, um, you know, shipbuilder and says, sure, come, you can start, start whenever. So he goes and he moves in with them. And that is how it's done, millennials. Right. I mean, Zoomers, You call people on the phone. Zoomers, this is how it works in the modern world. This isn't a relic from the 1970s in Mississippi, one of the most backward states in the U.S. No, you can just call anybody that you know, and they will immediately let you walk on to the job. And there's no other onboarding processes that have to right, go on. Right. So he goes to this job, and they, they work this job. This is the first day. That they've worked together. And they already skip the town and go fishing together. No, it's after work. Oh, okay. It's after work. So like, I mean, Calvin describes the job as like, they're like, like putting, like they're hammering steel all day long. It's like that scene from The Simpsons. Right. Yeah. So then they go fishing afterwards. And How do you have the energy? I don't know. I mean, fishing. But I think that's what you're getting to. That probably contributed to the, they're I'm, exhausted. I'm just saying they worked all day. Yeah. It's. It's not the heat of summer or anything, but this is the backbreaking work, right? It's, it's also Mississippi. It's Mississippi, so it's, it's not particularly shitty. like like cold, probably right. ever. Right. Um, it's humid as fuck. Um, so, and they're hammering steel all day, right? Out in the sun, right? I, to me, that would make me sleepy. <laughs> I'm sleepy thinking about it. So I'm just saying, like, I think, <laughs> hey, maybe you go out. It's nighttime. It's cooled off by the peaceful Pascagoula River. It's quiet. Oh, my God. I'm falling asleep right now. Yeah, exactly. Lovely. It does. It seems like an, a place that would be conducive to sleep. The crickets and shit. Sounds of the water. Now, it is possible that Charlie said, hey, you need to suck my dick so you can keep staying with me for free. And that's what they were doing. And they had to come up with a cover story when the police showed up. I don't know. How <laughs> do you explain the car being all broken, though? Well, I mean... Nobody reports on that except Calvin. Wow. So you have to, I mean, I think you have to take that with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. 
that's not like an established fact of this case. As far as I'm concerned, I didn't see any sources outside of the two of them or not even the two of them. It's Calvin alone. That's making that claim. You know, I feel bad on the one end that this guy, obviously like some weirds going on. Like I, I always think about that too, with some of these cases, it's sort of like from that mental health perspective of like, ah, you know, you want to make fun of things and make fun of people and have fun. And then at the same time, there is like a real person at the end of this end of the stick or whatever I'm trying to say, like at the end of the story who right. was like, Hey, I had to like change jobs because I felt fucking embarrassed. Right. And it's sort of like, this, you is know, a re- this is a recurring theme for a lot of these. Everyone just thinks I was sucking my older friend's dick. I was not doing that. Right. <laughs> I was abducted and sucking the dick of an alien. It's like, you know, it's a key difference. I was abducted and sucked the clit of a female alien. It's way different. And then I did wrestle that female alien and I, I did try to, her. I did try to kill that alien. I had a rear naked choke. I had her back. But she got out and then she got into half guard. She knew some fucking alien jujitsu moves. Turns out I pulled the mask off. God damn, it's Iceman Chuck Liddell. <laughs> Turns out he is an he was an alien. <laughs> <laughs> That's Calvin's story. That's it through and through, baby. I agree with you, Art. Yeah. I mean, it is funny at the end of the day. It is funny, but you're right. Like I, I think both of them come off as genuine for the most part. What about that puncture wound? It's weird, right? That has me think, I don't know, spin in my freaking head. It's weird, right? But we don't know what it is, right? Could have been something they got at work. Right. Could it be just like a, a little injury they got at work? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting regardless. Because it lines up so much with the story. Like they both said, hey, we got grabbed by these ETs. After they grabbed us, we felt sleepy. Later, they both said like we were sedated with something. Yeah. Well, they, let me put this into the mix too. What do these aliens kind of look like? They kind of look like, go ahead. They look like, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If And as much as I like the look of them, they do sort of look like 1950s ET like robots, right? Like okay. space, like space robots from like a 1950s movie. I wasn't gonna go there. What I was gonna say is they do look a little bit like maybe a fishing lure. They also look a little bit like a crawdad that you would find in the river. Mm. Now, I don't know if Mississippi rivers have crawdads like that. I would assume that they do, or whatever the fucking river is called, Pascagoula. Yeah, it's Pascagoula. Um, I don't know if they have crawdads like that, but I think that crawdads are a pretty common critter in a lot of different freshwater areas. I know we got them up here. I used to go catch them. Right. I used to hang out on the river with my older friend, Andy. Andy is about 30 years my senior. I was a 13-year-old boy. Andy was 43. And he would take me fishing. Yes, Andy used to buy me beer. That's not that strange. It's okay. I had a lot of trust in Andy. I looked up to him. Andy? You could have said like 19. <laughs> you had to say 13. 
We were friends back then. <laughs> no comment from Andy. Wow. <laughs> I'm speechless. Tis, tis, tis. They look like crawdads, don't they? Don't there's some, they kind of look like a crawdad? There's some crawdadishness to them. Yeah, sure. What's the What's the things? Antennas, the eye right. stalks. You get the claws. No neck. One single body fused together feet into a tail. And then right. they've got these long pincer arms. Yeah. Kind of look like a crawdad to me. Yeah. And mm-hmm, you fall asleep on the river. You're dreaming of a crawdad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, to to talk about Joe Nickel for a little bit, this hypnagogic state, I mean, I wasn't f- really familiar with this, um, but it's like sort of when you hit that point where you're like half awake. So you have, you're, you're like super susceptible to, um, I guess, suggestion mm-hmm. in that state. And... It, you you're you you might have delusions or, or hallucinations and even auditory stuff like you can hear things that aren't actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I've had that happen. Yeah, it kind of and if you, and if you look at it that way and you say like, okay, well, like when Joe Nickel was writing that article, Calvin had yet to come forward mm-hmm. with any of his corroboration of any of this. So he's looking at it as here's Charlie. By himself. Mm. He's the one saying this story over and over and over again. Like, Charlie seemed like the the principal. So, in that sense, it's like, it makes sense to say Charlie was the one having this experience and pushing it on to Calvin. Right. But I don't know if Calvin, when Calvin comes forward and says, actually, I was conscious the whole time, I don't know if it changes that or if it's just like, Calvin sort of acknowledging that he did it, that he did believe this or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, is he saying like, Oh, I'm, I'm coming. I don't know. Like, not that I had this experience, but like, I believe that this happened. Right. It's a twisted tale. It's a head scratch. Yeah. I mean, um, then you have the, the other, people who say they saw something that night which adds a little bit of fuel to the fire mm-hmm. I mean they are near an air force base right yeah it's not and that's what um, I think that it's I forget which which person said this but I think it was a, another witness that just happened to see some lights while they were she was stopped at a traffic light so I didn't include it because it's it just was on the same night but it's like it doesn't really add a lot. Um, so she said something like, well, I just assumed that this was like a plane coming or no. She said the Jackson County airport was close by mm. to Pascagoula at that time. Mm. So she assumed it was something. She said she assumed that it was an airplane about to crash because it was so low to the ground. I mean, but then when it flew away, it made her feel better. I don't know. In the 1970s, how many people, were very accustomed to air travel and did it all the time. Yeah. Probably not that many. Yeah. When did commercial air flights really become a thing? Like the 60s? Yeah. And then, but it's like, you wouldn't have everybody taking fucking airplanes. And then by the 70s, this is early 70s. So then you have, Mm -hmm. you know. 73. Yeah. A lot of people have suggested that 
what they actually experienced was maybe a hypnagogic state, a sleep paralysis thing, but that there was also some sort of a helicopter in the area. This is like a missing, a misunderstanding with a helicopter that the UFO seems consistent with what a helicopter might look like. Hmm. If you especially think about Susan Snow's experience. Oh. Huh? I said prophecy. Prophecy. So huh? their prophecy. The princess that was promised, Mm -hmm. she says that the lights she saw seemed like they were rotating around a central object. So if it's like lights on the rotor of a helicopter or something, you know, it would probably look like that. Right. Hmm. Now, for what it's worth, nobody else really says that. She's the one that's said they're rotating around. So it's hard to, I mean, it's like the... The craft that Charlie and Calvin said they observed was more like, I don't know, I'm going to say it's more like oval-shaped. It's kind of like an oblong thing. Yeah, it's kind of like a classic. Yeah. It's not really like a flying saucer. It's a little bit different, but it's like kind of an oblong shape. Kind of looks like a fishing lure. <laughs> yeah, it does, actually. It looks a lot like a fishing lure. Maybe old Uncle Art's not so crazy <laughs> after all. No, he is. <laughs> Dude. Do not let him out of the basement. Out of the basement. (laughs) This is dangerous. I don't know, Andy. This is a tough one. I think. You thinking you want to get to a verdict on this? Or you want to do some more discussion? No, I got nothing else to say to you. All right. I have fucking nothing else to say to you. People taught me. Huh? uh, People taught me that if I have nothing nice to say at all, I shouldn't (laughs) say anything. So I have fucking nothing nice to say. I think Art's bringing the heat on this one. (laughs) <laughs> Slather me with that verdict. <coughs> oh God! Oh God! You sure you want some verdict? I think oh you God. need some water. Oh God! I need someone to stick two fingers down into my sinus. <laughs> oh, that's such an uncomfortable feeling. I'm glad that when the doctor does it, they numb me up, but you still feel it. Yeah, it's a very, very unpleasant feeling. Yeah, I had a root canal not that long ago, and of course they numb the mouth, mm-hmm. so you can't feel anything. But it's such a surreal feeling having the doctor put so much pressure on my tooth. Right. Like he's like sawing away at it. I'm like, oh my God, this is so weird. <laughs> oh, man. Um, fuck. This is a tough one. I kind of want you to go first. All right, I'll go first. I, I, just, I don't know what to think, man. So I got to set the stage, of course. Here's where, here's where my head is on this. Yeah. I fundamentally do not believe in alien abductions, right? Okay. I'm a Philip J. Class level fuckhead. Yeah, you are. And I shit on all of this stuff. I always do it. Jesus Christ. Um, in this case, I find Charlie and Calvin to be pretty genuine. Whoa. I think that they experienced something. Okay. Night. I do not think it was alien abduction. I'm not sure how to feel about this hypnagogic dream state and sleep paralysis thing. Okay. It does make sense to me in so far as sleep paralysis, especially is in the United States heavily associated with abduction stories. In fact, there's a lot of, Research to indicate that probably the majority of abduction stories could be explained away by sleep paralysis because it's such a part of popular culture and it infects people's minds. Mm-hmm. And so 
in this country, in the United States, extraterrestrials sort of become that like booger man, the boogeyman that gets you when you can't move. So I think that, I think that Joe Nickel makes, makes a lot of sense in what he's saying. And I got to say, I appreciate his fair take on this. Uh, unlike class, he's not just immediately dismissing this as a hoax, um, but is instead saying that it's not a hoax. Right. That these guys had something happen that they don't understand and that probably was just not adequately explained to them. We already know there's lots of problems with things like hypnosis. And in the documentary, there's some there's a clip that um, J. Michael Long plays about of um, Bud. Um, what's his face? Um, doing hypnosis on Calvin. And it's Calvin talking about this experience with the female ET. And there are a couple of points where it's pretty clear that Calvin's being led by the way the questions are being asked. And it's not, it's not egregious. Okay. I don't want to say like every question is leading, but it's one of those things where I'm going to fail to cite a specific example, but it's like, he says something and then he gets asked the question back to him. Like, and then this happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, that's what happened. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, even if he really felt that way, it's like that question is so leading yeah, that it's hard to, it's hard to know if, if what he's saying is, is real. But at the end of the day, I don't know. It's, it just, it strikes me that Charlie was open about this the whole time. So people have accused him of like, trying to get money out of the thing and whatever. Um, Calvin wasn't. No, that's, that's what gets me is like, I mean, and it's not like he immediately after Charlie died, started publishing books. Right. It was years later. Um, and he explains it as he thinks there's a lot of misinformation about what happened. Uh, I mean, I guess he says he's thinks he's going to die soon. Cause he's like, my time is coming close. Jesus I don't know. Christ. I don't know what's wrong with him, but um, he just wants to set the record straight. There's probably some aspect of money making involved in it, if I'm being honest. Yeah. There's three published books by two people at this point. Like, there's probably some aspect of trying to profit off of this. But overall, God, this is a long verdict. Um, I'm finding them to be kind of genuine people. Yes. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't think it's a hoax. So I'm not going case closed because I don't think it's a hoax. I don't think they were abducted by aliens. But I think there's some meat on this bone uh, other than that. So I'm going to be gentle with my verdict here out of respect for them. And I'm going to give this plausible minus minus. Whoa, holy shit. And it's because I think something happened. Yeah. But I don't, it's not, it's not extraterrestrial. Like it's something terrestrial that happened. But we just can't explain what. I don't know. I don't, I mean, Joe Nichols has got the best. Joe Nichols got the best explanation as far as I'm concerned. I'm not, I'm not saying it's case confirmed. That's what happened, but I don't know. It's a, it's a while. It's a good story. And I got to say great, great design on the extraterrestrials. I mean, if you two guys fucking came up with that on the fly, awesome. Great job. This is incredible. Um, well, I'm glad I had you go first, Andy, because now I can fucking dunk on your ass (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) Bring the real fucking heat. Um, oh, no, Joe, oh, Joe, Nickel, Joe Nickel did not do a fucking good job on this. It's clearly a black bear. He should stick to what he fucking knows, his tried and true, and he shouldn't try and deviate into bullshit mind hypno jumbo mumbo 
into whatever the fuck he thinks it is with his hypnagogic fucking, you know, David Goggins hypnagogic fucking bullshit, okay? It's a black bear, clearly. Is a black bear in a spaceship, is a black bear in a helicopter. There you go. Case black closed bear, for Mart Stone. Case closed. Black bears stole a military helicopter. They had mange. They were sickly black bears. They came down. They shoved their bear fingers. <laughs> they thought that Calvin was a honeypot. <laughs> That's what happened. Case closed. <laughs> Fuck this topic. Wow. Just kidding. Goddamn. No. That was Art's verdict. <laughs> I'm going to go plausible minus and a half, maybe even less plausible than you. Okay. I forget which one goes where. I said minus minus, and I think minus and a half would be before minus minus. Okay. Closer to plausible. Well, then I'm going to go plausible minus minus plus one. Or Justin, please add that to the scale. That's a new one. I'm less plausible than you, actually. Okay. Um. Yeah, I Does don't- Does that mean that you're more hoax- Thinking it's more of a hoax? No. Okay. I don't think it's a hoax. I think something happened to these guys. Okay. Like, they don't know how to explain it. Right. I think that the coincidence of them both having strange hypnagogic experiences is our best guess. But at the same time, um, I, I don't... I don't know. That's also kind of... Unpl- it's like, ugh, it's a coincidence I mean, coincidences do happen in this world. Sure. You know? I'm willing to believe a coincidence from time to time. Right. If it you know, fits if it in makes your sense. world for you. Right. <laughs> the coincidence that they happened to be fishing and also get abducted by aliens. Like, right. That's one that's a stretch for me. But coincidence that, hey, maybe this guy has like issues blacking out. He clearly has issues blacking out. I think that they probably, you know, obviously between the time they went from the boat to the police station, they had time to get their alibi together. Sure. What'd you experience? Yeah, I experienced that too. Oh, right. Yeah, that's what they look like. And they had claws. Yeah, yeah, they did have claws. And then, you know, I mean, he is drinking a little whiskey to calm the nerves. But I do, I do legitimately think that I don't think they believe they're making anything up. Right. So I think they believe their story is tried and true. Yeah. And I think that they, um, I think your explanation of like, it was a long day they get out on the water. They're so exhausted from having sex with each other. <laughs> and um, yeah, clearly Calvin has this like time thing with his head. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe Charlie's just like a rad fucking weird little dude. And he goes along with stuff where he had a weird experience where he's like half asleep. He's delirious. He's imagining crawdads <laughs> and fishing lures. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. They can't really, they can describe it with enough detail that it convinces enough people, right? But not enough detail that we think that this is real. Yeah. And then you've got the whole thing. It's just, I don't know. It's a little tough to tell. It's a little too old. You know, I'll say, I'll say even like somebody who experiences sleep paralysis. To me, it's like, that's a thing that you experienced. So it's like, it is a real thing. You, it's just not what you think it is, you know? Like when we talked to Justin about his sleep paralysis, like mm-hmm. that like figure at his bed, like he experienced that. That was real. Right. It's just not in reality. That not there's in nothing reality. there. It's in your head. <clears throat> right. Exactly. It's in the reality that you create <clears throat> within your mind. Yeah, exactly. Your mind tell me. What is reality? Good question. <clears throat> reality is what we make it. Reality is what we make of it. Now there you have it. 
That was the Pascagoula. It's a great, great topic. Story. Great topic. Evil Mike, thank you for suggesting. I had never heard of this one before. I had either. And <clears throat> this is a great one. This is a gold star uh, alien abduction story. So um, thank you for that, Evil Mike. Beefers, you got to let us know what you think about this one. I I don't know where you're going to come down on this, but uh, you got to let us know. Um, use the hashtag... Billy Beer. Billy Beer. Billy Beer. Use the hashtag Billy Beer and let us know what you think. You can get at us on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Bunker Pod. You can email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. You can uh, check us out on YouTube. Uh, go to YouTube and just look for Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time, and we will certainly show up eventually. Sure. Um, if you have the means to do so and you feel so inclined, please consider becoming a patron of this show for only five buccarinos a month. Uh, that's less than a case of Billy beer. <laughs> you could get access to dozens of minutes of behind the scenes, exclusive Patreon only content, and you will get uh, our personal drawings of these aliens, what we think they look like behind closed doors. <laughs> so check out all our rule 34 hentai extraterrestrial abduction hentai oh, available only at patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker pod. Um, Art. Oh, uh, any parting shots you'd like to take? Yeah, only at Joe Nickel. Um, you know <laughs> that fucker. Just stick to your fucking blackbirds, dude. No, I think this is a wild topic. Love the alien design. Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm not realizing too that like one of these aliens. I think somebody in the Men in Black who did the Men in Black cartoon series used used one of these as inspiration, which I think is. Which I think is neat. Um, yeah, these are badass looking fucking aliens, man. I yeah. love an alien. Yeah. I love an alien. I love I love all the different ways that we come up with weird critters. Where does this ET rank for you? Oh, I'd have to really think about that. I can't I can't just give that away. Okay. You okay. Know, like uh you know, I can't just fucking pass that around like a joint at a college party. Okay, know? this is our secret sauce and we're it's not my secret sauce. We're not entitled to no, it. No, I'd so. really have to think about that. Like what I from the aliens that we've covered, what are our top Fucking 10. I'm just saying, where are these like ballpark? These are up there for me. This is up there. These, these are, are neato. These, these are near the top. Yeah, these are neato. Um, I love a classic gray, but like, you know, just because they're so funny and iconic. They're iconic. They're boring. Yeah, but everything that's iconic is. Right? Yeah, of course. I hate icons. That's why I don't use any on my desktop on my computer. <laughs> yeah. Andy, very familiar with the terminal command list. And why? That's this is also why I'm not Eastern Orthodox. <laughs> I hate all these icons. <laughs> what? Well, I'd have to think about it. But yeah, these are all probably right. up there. All right. These are up there. Um, hopefully you like them too, Beefers. Um, thanks for joining us on this crazy episode of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast for not that dickhead, piece of shit, titular Mr. Bunker. But for my wakeful oh. co-host, Art, I am awake. This is Andy Hart saying that was the whole enchilada. Crab people. Yummy.
Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.